This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> and the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Uh, you, oh, my God. I wish this were televised. I really do. Charlie was kiddingly, you know, pretending to be so disorganized, you know, flapping her papers around. And all of a sudden, she lost control of it all. It all flew all over the studio. I just studio. threw it all up in the air. Well, because, yeah. you know, you always give me such a hard time for... Being well, discombobulated and well, not you being were. organized. You, you found, so, I don't know, something on the bottom of your purse you were <laughs> inspecting. Now, hey, we're going to air and, you know. Whatever. Whatever. Remember all that homework okay. I had last oh, week? Yes. Well, we'll get to that in a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but for now, oh, maybe you want to do the phone numbers. Gee, that's a good well, idea. I try and organize right. my papers. This, my friends, is the, the garden show. Charlie Dobbin sits beside me here and answers all your questions, or attempts mm-hmm. to anyway, uh, to Reach her in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province of Ontario, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We have a show just packed full of fun and frivolity, but you've got some... (laughs) Uh, important stuff there? Well, the research always, you've been doing? I, well, I, yes, several things here. I always have a few announcements. Yes. So I've got a few more of those. I also have that follow-up of homework, which we'll have to get to. And we got a really cute CD in the mail oh. from um, Al and Linda Smith. And it is so... I've Innisfil, got, right? Innisfil. Yeah. Just, if, Sebastian, if you can cue that up. I would just love to just listen. It's what, they wrote this song and they recorded the song and put it on a CD and sent it to us. And it's all about their frustration with critters in the garden. <laughs> so they call it a critter restaurant. Can I, can I dedicate that to Shirley Warning, who's tuned in right now yeah. up on the farm there in the Newmarket area, Aurora area. She just has such a problem with mice and chipmunks and, oh, my, moles. Exactly. And that's exactly what Al and Linda are singing about. So, yeah, if we can just hear, like, even the first chorus, it's very sweet. Okay. Uh, Are we set to go there? Oh, there we go. We're on. Our country home is a pretty nice space. There's creatures creeping all over the place In your bed, dreaming and snoring They're out on the deck in your garbage exploring <laughs> Spring starts out as the season transitions With raids of ants crawling over your kitchen The voice screams out cause there's one on your toast Sixteen more crawling <laughs> 
that's great. It goes eh? on. You may be, it goes on. And you know it's what? very catchy. I mean, you we, find yourself humming it all yeah. day. <laughs> we should, Sebastian, there's a way to, to mark that. Uh, that's point in time. Maybe next week we'll do a little pickup. Okay, and, we could. And hear, yeah, another, we could. hear another chorus. All right. Thank that's you, super. Sebastian. And big thank you to Al and Linda. It's very, very, it does make us grin. No question. I'm sure a Absolutely. few of us are grinning. Um, all right. Quickly, let me find all my announcements. And you know what? I do want to tell – all right. I've already told you about the Burlington Hort Society twice. Told you about the Hamilton and Burlington Row Society twice. So we'll go straight to Saturday, September the 12th, the Agent Court Garden Club. They're hosting a full day and evening of activities. There's a flower, veggie, and design show all day. Then at 8 p.m., James Graham – and he's actually very funny. We've had him uh, on the show in the past. He is a past president of the Ontario Horticultural Society. He'll be educating and entertaining with a presentation on old-fashioned favorites. Everyone, of course, is welcome to attend. Join this relaxed and friendly crowd for an evening of socializing, laughing, entertainment, and light refreshments at the Knox United Christian Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd in Scarborough. One other event is Sunday, September 13th. The Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is meeting. And uh, this is a pretty interesting group. So they meet at the Toronto Botanical Gardens on Sunday from 11 until 12. There's a special presentation, always a special presentation by one of the avid um, members of the group. And in this case, it is a, uh, it's all about uh, Daphne's that you're going to hear about on Saturday, on September the 13th. Bring your mug and a friend. Enjoy the first meeting of the season. And remember, there is a September plant sale that's well stocked with mature plants. And autumn is a perfect time for your new transplants to establish healthy root systems. And of course, all these plants are grown by the members. So TBG 777 Lawrence Avenue East in Toronto. Free admission, free parking, free everything. Uh, okay. Do I have time to do any of my homework follow-up? Well, or why don't no? we do one here now, okay. and then we'll take a break, and then you come back, and we'll fit it in as we go through the show, all your homework. How about that? Okay. We'll make sure during the show you will get all the homework covered. <laughs> I mean, I, I did my homework. I, I just know. think I need to let people know I did it. Well, of course. <laughs> uh, so just saying that is not good enough. We have to actually do it. Well, so you know what you it was? Ahead. What started the it? One. The first one that kind of stumped me last week was uh, we had a caller – named Anthony, who was in love with the idea of eating his tomatoes because they look so good, but he started to panic because he had edged the garden, the vegetable garden, with pressure-treated wood. Right you are. Okay. Bought it at Lowe's. I sent an email to Lowe's. Lowe's responded by telling me that the chemical that they use on their pressure-treated wood is copper azole. Right. So we say to ourselves, well, that doesn't sound very good. So then you start doing all the research into copper azole. Well, it is a water-based wood preservative. It does prevent fungal decay and insect attack. Mm -hmm. The one scary bit that might be toxic to people would be copper. Okay? Uh. Nobody wants to eat copper in any large quantities because it will kill you. But guess what? If the copper quantity is high enough in the soil to then go into the tomatoes to mm. then kill you, the tomatoes are dead long before that. Okay, because the so. copper will kill the tomatoes long before you'll have a chance to eat them and have it kill you. Bottom line, if your tomatoes look good, chances are 
they're really good, and you should just eat them. <laughs> Way to go, Anthony. And, okay. Uh, hey, congratulations on doing a lot of homework. Well, but the one thing they do say is dust can irritate. Uh, burning this wood can be irritating. Obviously, chewing on this wood can be irritating. So don't do any of those things. Uh, and it is not expected to leach into the environment. Darn. I was just getting, you know, getting my mouth set for a, a good chew on a two-by-four, but I'll have to put that in advance. All right. And we're going to be back in just a couple of moments here, of course. Uh, Charlie Dobbin talking to Elaine, Cheryl and Sandra, all waiting on the line. We'll get to you folks in just a couple of moments. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. <laughs> and here we are, just in time for a little cough from Charlie. Yes, yes. thank you. <laughs> Good timing. Well, Good timing. yes, well done. Uh, well, okay, let's get to yes. the phone lines. Yes. Number one, Sandra in Etobicoke. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie, Frank. Uh, sounds like you're having too much fun this <laughs> Yes, <morning>. exactly. <laughs> um, my question is, normally I'd be planting garlic at this time. Mm-hmm. I've still got beans producing in the spot where I want to put them. How mm-hmm. late can mm-hmm. I plant the garlic? Be nice to get the garlic in the ground at least six weeks before the first big frost, which means you've got another month. Probably. Hard to say. We never really know when the first big frost is. But uh, in Etobicoke, you're good till, I'd say, early October. And it's a very sheltered vegetable garden. Nice. So it's nice and warm, and the garlic will love that warm soil. It does really well. Yeah. Me too. I haven't planted my garlic yet either. Okay. Because I've got carrots where the garlic's going. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) Because it has to have that growth now, right? Yeah. We need to get it in the ground before winter, and we want to get it into that nice warm soil, and we want to get it in early enough that some roots can get growing before everything comes to a standstill. Okay, so I've still got some time. That's good. Yeah. Okay. And just a little, should Frank be reminding people about nematodes? <laughs> oh, you know, you're very, that you're correct. Yes. It's... This is the time. Good for you, Sam. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my husband has just put them on. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'll have if to... If you've uh, got grubs, yeah. then Frank's got the solution. I've got the solution, yep. yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't, but certain garden centers will, of yes, course. Yes, exactly. Thank you, and I'll, I'll get on to that. Thanks for the reminder. Sandra. <laughs> okay. Bless your heart. Mm. Keeping me on top of things, I'll I tell know. you. I love it when the callers yeah, keep us on track, right? Exactly. We would be lost we, without them. I think we, it's, it's needed in some We cases. get a bit off track sometimes. <laughs> have you noticed? Mm. Elaine, hello from Niagara Falls. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hello. Good morning. It was. I really like your show, and I love the song from the Smiths. Isn't so that nice. cute? That's lovely. It was, it was adorable. Yeah. And my question is about rhubarb. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering about mulching it, and also what's the best fertilizer for it. Well, when we grow rhubarb, we're growing it for the, the stems of the leaves, and not so much the leaf blade, but the actual, you know, main, main rib. So because that's green growth, part of a leaf, the best fertilizer is going to be a nitrogen-based fertilizer. It could be blood meal. It could be homemade compost. It could be composted manure. It could even just be an all-purpose 20-20-20 fertilizer. But the bottom line is that's what you're, you're wanting to grow is green growth. Um, mulching, we don't usually, rhubarb super, super tough, hardy plant. So we don't usually worry so much about mulching it, but if it's in a really dry spot or super well-drained soil, then it would definitely benefit from some two to four inches of a wood chip or an organic based mulch during the growing season. 
just to help keep moisture in the soil and help keep weeds down and uh, keep the, the ground a little cooler through the you know, hot, hot summer. Uh, and it will continue to produce leaves quite often right through to the end of August. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is. It's kind of clay soil, so yeah. it does. I need the moisture retention, definitely. Well, and you need the organic matter as well. So right. think about some composted manure, even just lightly cultivated into the soil, either this fall or next spring, just to help the plants grow better and obviously to help with the quality of the soil. Sounds terrific. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. For Thanks, the call. Elaine. And here we are on the Garden Show, Zoomer Radio. And, of course, uh, that's the home of Timeless Hits. Let's see. Cheryl in Buffalo, New York. Hey, good morning and welcome to the show, Cheryl. Hello. How are you? Great. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, My question is about morning glories. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got this big mound of leaves, and I Hmm. planted them, you know, like around Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just beginning to get a flower. Is this usual for that, or...? Well, they are often a bit slow to flower, mm-hmm. but morning glories are similar to uh, plants like nasturtiums and sweet peas. We typically grow them from seed, and if you are too caring and love them too much <laughs> by watering and fertilizing and giving them a good soil, you will find you end up with a lot of leaves and not a lot of flowers. So what you've got to do is you've got to make them suffer a little more. Let them suffer a bit for for moisture. Make sure they're obviously growing in full sun. And and just, yeah, obviously no more fertilizer now. And it's appropriate to have fertilized initially, you know, early in the season. But let them just, you know, dry out between waterings and and don't be cranking a lot of fertilizer on them. Otherwise, you'll just get a lot of leaves, as as you see. Oh, that could be the problem. Yeah. Not so much love. Yeah. Okay. That's all I wanted to know. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your call. And that is a little bit of a reminder to me that I forgot to do our mantra. Mm. Uh, Call early, call often, one question per call. And if you are a first-time caller, please tell Sebastian when you call in. And you will get that mm. when you come to Except the you'll get a, a bigger one than a that. A bigger one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it's a big welcoming bell that provides you with <laughs> wings in which you can yes. float away oh, into the garden. I know. You're, oh, my gosh. You're getting <sighs> poetic again. Um, yeah, uh, okay. So this, tell me something. You, here's a story you wanted to share yes. about a product we haven't spoken of for a little while called well, Sierra Sil. It is, it is just a marvelous product. But I thought it might be interesting. Michael Bentley, who is the president, uh, and uh, his lovely wife, Leslie, are pictured in a little pamphlet I have here, but what they've done is just kind of quickly written a history of, mm-hmm. of the, the product. And so I thought I'd just do that. For those of you who have never heard of the product before, let me tell you exactly what, what's going on here. Sierra Sil is a highly effective natural mineral complex, clinically proven to support joint health and mobility. And the healing qualities of Sierra Sil was discovered by a gold prospector in the Sierras, then developed under the stewardship of the Bentley family in Vancouver. Now, the pure natural mineral complex had its origin in volcanic rock that was geothermally altered about 10 million years ago. Hmm. And this unique mineralogy can't be recreated in a lab. Sierra Sil has been rigorously tested including double-blind, placebo-controlled trials for safety and efficiency, 
Efficacy. Efficacy. I knew that was right. <laughs> yes. The, the clinical studies show that Sierra Silk consistently provides relief from chronic aches and stif- stiffness as well as cleansing the body of toxins. Now, mm. if you take it as recommended, uh, Sierra Silk will noticeably, uh, noticeably yeah. reduce joint and muscle pain. So there so, you go. Three little pills yep. every single day, whether morning or Afternoon, the main thing is you drink lots of water when you take the pills and you take the pills around your meals. So always an hour either way, whether it's lunch or breakfast on on either side. And the next time we speak about the product, Mm -hmm. we're going to deal with something that's brand new having to do with your pets. Mm -hmm. Okay? So stay tuned for that, my my friends. This is The Garden Show, Zoomer Radio. Frank and Charlie on the air, and we'll return (laughs) to all the questions. At least Charlie will. (laughs) Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Oh, and we're so delighted that you could uh, join Charlie and myself here on the the Garden Show on this long holiday weekend. Gorgeous day, gorgeous weekend. Oh, and beautiful. I've been working hard getting my homework done. Okay. So I just got to go back. Okay. For, this is from last week. All you know, right. we had a couple stumper questions, and I didn't want to just make up the answers. I went and did the work. <laughs> okay. Now, Selma called last week from yep. Guelph. She had a wisteria that had bloomed, and now there she's looking at pods mm-hmm. hanging from her wisteria, going, ooh, I could get some seeds, and I can start another wisteria. Mm-hmm. Well, what was interesting is, you know, I could look that up, but instead I was mailed and received this week a beautiful book called Seeing Seeds. It's a journey into the world of seed heads, pods, and fruit. The photography is phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. By Robert Llewellyn, and it's written by Terry Dunn Chase. It is an American book, but it is published by a local publisher, Timber Press, out of Portland, Oregon, and Timber Press is also in British Columbia. However, flipping to page 268, there is a photograph of a wisteria pod, some wisteria Mm -hmm. seeds, and a little explanation about what happens. So just like Selma had happened, there's the pod hanging on the wisteria, and as the weeks go by, the pod gets drier and drier and drier. To the point, it starts to constrict. You can see the number of seeds, the bumps in the pod. One one through maybe eight. Up to as many eight seeds in any one pod, and then one day... The pod explodes and the seeds fling away, never to be seen again. So, <laughs> I mean, unless they land somewhere and grow. So the, tr- the challenge for Selma is to watch those pods and grab those seeds just before they explode because that's when they are truly ripe and mature. Now, of course, she could, she could maybe put a, a nylon stocking oh. around the pod so that when it blows, it, the seeds get caught what into the idea. stocking. Yeah. You know, that's, that would be a good idea if it hasn't already blown up. However, honestly, growing wisteria from seed, that is a very long-term project. We talk about being a patient person when you're a gardener. This is the ultra. <laughs> that will test your patience. Oh, huh? big time. Yeah. It could be 10, 15, gosh knows how many years before that wisteria is going to flower from seed. So literally, minimum 10 years 
plus. So a good long-term project, nice hobby if you want to <laughs> do it, and certainly wouldn't be hard to grow. Just mimic what nature would do. Get those wisteria just under the surface of some potting soil in some pots. Bury the pots for the winter outside and watch for little seedlings to come up next spring. There you go. Okay. Thank you for the, all the homework there, all Charlie. Right. Now let's get back to our lines here at Zoomer Radio. Uh, Siva on the line from, well, just around the corner maybe here in Toronto. Good morning, Siva. Good morning to both of you. Morning. I live in the Jen and Eglinton area, and mm-hmm. talking about past, I looked out my window, and there was this huge deer eating my lettuce. Oh, I, what? I couldn't believe it. Just what? Just now? Eh? Just now? Yeah. Oh, Jane and Eglinton, yeah, but you've got that whole ravine area around you. I know, but it was never there before, and now all of a sudden, I don't know where it came from. (laughs) Good thing I'm a vegan. (laughs) Well, I doubt you have a shotgun handy anyway. (laughs) I I would find a trap for him anyway. Uh, One quick question. My pumpkin vine is flowing, and it has one fruit. Mm -hmm. But what I want to know, can I cut off the other parts that are flowing in order for the fruit to ripen quickly or no? Well, so you're finding it's sort of going all over the place? It it is, and I figure the fruit will not have enough time to ripen. No, you've only really got one on it now. Yeah, I would cut back. Now, don't cut back all the vine, because no. remember, the, the plant needs those leaves okay. to photosynthesize, to you know continue to fatten up the existing fruit, because, of course, what's it doing? It's converting sunshine into carbohydrates, okay. and that's what it's using to grow that fruit. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks kindly. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Siva, and uh, you are listening to Zoomer Radio. Home of timeless hits. And Jack is on the line from well. Kind of like us, timeless people. Yeah, timeless people. Yes, 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 we are. Jack, hello. Good morning, Jack. Hi. I was, um, I, I was uh, wondering if I could um, prune mm-hmm. my cedar globes mm-hmm. at this moment. I wouldn't. Well, two things will happen. If you prune cedars, whether they be globes or pyramidal form, now, one is you will be encouraging it to grow some new growth. And it's September. And the last thing we want to do is encourage new growth on plants that we want to survive the winter. Because that new growth is likely to be frosted and killed in what's coming for the winter. So you don't want to do a lot of pruning because you don't want to encourage new growth. The other thing is when we prune cedars, we leave behind fairly blunt cuts quite often. And you're going to be looking at those all winter. Uh, so you might get a little bit of green, new fuzzy growth, but you're also going to leave, you know, have some pretty ugly cut ends. So the optimal time to prune any of your cedars, again, whether they're globes or pyramidal or hedges, is when they're actively growing naturally, which is sometime in June. Could be early June, could be late June. In Welland, it's probably more on the early side of June. And that's when you can do whatever you want when it comes to trimming your cedars. But do not do anything otherwise. Just wait till they're actively growing again next year. I, you know, I also have the... Um Bird nest, that's the same thing. Oh, the nest spruce, yep. Yes, yeah, that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, and thank with nest guys. spruce, you're not going to shear them the way you would shear a cedar, but you can, if it's getting too big, you can take tips off of the branches. Uh, again, you'll do that when it's actively growing, and that will be June as well. June as well. Okay. All right, thank you very much. You're very Good welcome. Stuff, Jack. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show. Zoomer Radio, available, of course, as you already know it, AM 740. But 
a special uh, FM spot on the dial. Mm-hmm. We'll get you all that's happening right now, too. And that's 96.7 oh, FM. And is that it's, launched? Yes, it's launched. Like when? Yesterday it's, or something? Uh, no, last Monday. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. And, and so it is, FM 96.7. Yep. And it, it clear as a bell. And we're going to gain like a million listeners. Who were having trouble getting the yep. AM signal. Basically, uh, from the Lakeshore north to 401, from Bathurst over to Don Valley Parkway. That's oh, a pretty yeah. big area, yeah, you know, yeah. and it even goes a little bit beyond that, to be honest with you. Well, that's right, because we were listening to FM 96.7 in High Park. That's right. right. That's right. So check it out, And it folks. was very clear. If you're having a little trouble sometimes, you know, with getting the station or driving through town, going under those uh, streetcar lines, mm. and, you know, the thing goes, <laughs> no, it won't happen. 96.7 FM. Anyway. Perfect. Uh, Got to get going here, and because Fanny is on the line from Toronto. Hey, Fanny, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I have uh, these here um, flocks, and they're very tall. I was wondering, um, I want to move them. The whole backyard is just full of flocks. And when is the best time to uh, transplant them? So you want to spread them around the yard a bit more or give some away to friends? or Give them away to friends. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent idea. Well, are they still blooming like crazy right now? Yes, they are. Aww. So you could today, if you wanted to, except it's a bit warm and it's a bit like it's hot. It's a bit hot to be digging and dividing right now. So let's assume next week things are going to cool down a bit and hope we'll get some rain as well. Make sure they're well watered. Then you're going to, believe it or not, you're going to cut them down to about half their height, which is going to take all the flowers away. And then you're going to dig and divide and chop into whatever clumps you wish to, to chop into. And whoever you're giving them to should plant them right away into a sunny spot. Um, they may ultimately cut them down even further but allow them to go into the ground with some leaves attached at this time of year, get a little root action growing, and then, of course, either next spring or later this fall, like I say, cut them down to about an inch tall, and then they'll grow back up next summer and flower like crazy. Terrific. Okay, but yeah, let's pray for some rain, and let's hope that the temperature does drop a little bit, because it's a bit hard to get into the garden when it's this hot. The plants don't want to be dug up at this point. Yes, also, I noticed that um, there's a lot of... um Mold on the leaves is mm-hmm. all white. Powdery mildew. Mildew, yes. Yep, it happens to, to flocks, garden flocks. Some varieties are more susceptible than others. To limit the amount of mildew on your flocks and any um, mildew uh, susceptible plants, lilacs, um, Gosh, there's so many plants that tend to get, you know, purple sand cherries, monarda or bee balm gets powdery mildew, roses, full sun. Good air circulation, both those things will help. Never water the plants. Avoid wetting the leaves uh, after noon. Do all your watering early in the day if you can. Can't control rain, but you can control when you water. And if you still get powdery mildew, you can just compost. I don't want to say destroy, but you could compost those varieties. And some of the newer varieties of phlox bloom beautifully and are completely resistant to phlox, to, to, to mildew. So that's, so that's a thought as well. And if anyone wants any, uh, they're welcome. I'll dig up the whole yard practically. You're going to have a, a, end, a, a garage sale of uh, phlox, free to a good home. <laughs> Oh, thank you ever so much. Thanks for your call. And Zoomer Radio, timeless hits with you on AM 740 and 
And timeless gardening. Yes. Yes. Timeless hints. <laughs> okay. I, well, now, I'm going to get a pronunciation check on our next guest's uh, name here. I have it U-T-E. Oot, is that correct? Uta. All right, in Etobicoke. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning to you both. Morning. I have a cauliflower, and in the middle I have a hard substance in there. I think it's seed, but I'm not sure. Okay, sorry, what kind of, a, what kind of flower? It's the callas that you plant that come up with Calla. the leaves, and then they have that beautiful flower coming up. Yes, and yes, exactly, and that hard little bit. It can yeah. produce seeds, yep. Well, because the flower is a spath. It's not uh-huh. a traditional, it's like a daisy kind of flower. It's a yeah. very yeah. distinctive, um, yeah, it almost looks a bit like a peace lily. Sort of yeah. flower. Calla lily, yeah. lily, yes. And is that a seed? Yes, it certainly could be. And what can I do with it? Well, uh, most people save callas by saving the tuber that they're growing from rather uh-huh. than trying to grow them from seed. Remember, oh, so it wouldn't be a good idea to go and save it and uh, well, you try could, to plant it next year. You could try. The, the thing to remember, though, is that usually when we grow things like calla lilies, we're growing a specific hybrid variety because it's very beautiful. It could be yellow. It could be pink. It could have yeah, it very... Yeah, all kind of flower, uh, all kind of colors in it, and yeah. I have them in an urn, and they really did well this year. So right. I'm really happy. So you want to... I'm looking at them, and they're all bending down because they're getting so heavy with this seed uh, pot or whatever it is. Okay, so what I... I mean, if you want to save the seeds, you can, but know in your heart of hearts that that plant's seeds will not necessarily necessarily grow and look like the parent. Oh, okay. Okay, so you, you'll get some kind of a calla, but you're not likely to get the same calla you've got in the urn, which is why what I would do is I would remove that heavy seed head, which will encourage more flowers, and uh-huh. I would ensure that you have lifted that... Well, what we'll do is we'll get a, a gentle frost, and when we get uh-huh. that first frost, the leaves are all going to turn brown. You're going to then dig up, dry that tuber, and bring it in for the winter and save it so that you can replant it next spring. Okay. Okay. Because they were really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was you. really happy. Good for you. Yeah, okay, no, they are thank lovely. Thank you. You're thank you. Have welcome. a great weekend. Thank, oh, thank you. Oh, hey, everybody have a great weekend. Long holiday weekend. Here we are with perfect weather. And uh, we'll continue to... I love the we. Charlie <laughs> Charlie will continue to help Come you on, folks could out. somebody please call about grubs yeah. so that at least Frank can... will be able to jump in with some info. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Folks. He's been memorizing Latin <laughs> names. Okay, tell us tell us the proper name of a Dawn Redwood. It is Metasequoia Glyptostrobodes. Boides. Excellent. There and he did go. not read that off of any cheat sheet. No. He's got that in his brain. Good, eh? Nope. Good uh, well, for you. I'm trying. I'm trying. Good for you. We have to move You're not along, an old actually. dog. No, you I... can learn new tricks. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, by gosh, uh, whoa, I see that uh, I'm barking up the wrong tree. Uh, Sebastian's looking at me like, uh, it's time, uh, Frank, to move along to our friendly commercials. Yes, indeed we will. And uh, Charlie will come back. You know what we could do is complete your homework assignment after uh, we check in. Oh, good for you, yeah. remembering I have one more. One more, okay. But first of all, let's uh, do this little break here on The Garden Show.
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Zoomer Radio and uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming <laughs> to the airwaves. Under, under we, Yes. Oh, before we get to, and we have a number of callers. I should get you to do the homework. Isn't that the kind of thing undergardeners should do? I suppose so. Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, geez. You would learn so much. (laughs) Would I remember it? That's the problem. That doesn't matter. You just have to report back. You have one more assignment you have to get to. Okay. Last week, Bert called from Markham, and he was calling about a burning bush, three of them, which uh, are in rough condition. Crispy leaves and, you know, well-established 10-year-old plants, uh, about five feet tall and not looking good, wondering what might be going on. Okay, so Bert, here's what I learned. Burning bush, we, we talked about whether rabbits or voles or any uh, animal might have mm-hmm. chewed off the bark over the winter early, early in the spring because burning bush is very, very edible to many animals. But... Bert convinced me that he'd studied the area thoroughly mm-hmm. and the bark was fine. So it wasn't that because that's the number one reason they go down. The number two reason they go down is multied. It could be poor nutrition. Mm-hmm. It could be overcompacted soil. It could be insects because they're fairly edible. They do get some insects particularly spider mites, which you'll never see, but you will see the the webbing. And probably the number one reason out of all those reasons is a disease called verticillium wilt. Tomatoes get this as well. You won't know it's verticillium wilt until, unless you send tissue to a lab, which you could do at the University Guelph. of Guelph. Yeah. But by that time, it's too late. The plant is looking pretty, pretty peaked. And usually you'll know it's verticillium because one branch, the leaves will, will go limp and then they'll turn brown and crispy. And the, the trick is, is to remove that limb and remove it from the property and try and avoid the spread of the disease. But it often does spread throughout the plant and you lose the plant anyway. So it is susceptible, as I said, to many insects, mm-hmm. many diseases, and it doesn't like the heat and it doesn't like drought and it doesn't like a lot of things. So I'm sorry. Pretty picky plant. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful burning bushes. We love them, but maybe not a good long-term plant just because of the susceptibilities. All right. Okay. I'm going to try and come up with a, how do you say, pain in the rear quickly. <laughs> That's a, it's oh, a pain in the rear kind of plant. You know? uh, yeah. I'll work Not on that. Not worth the trouble? No. Not worth it. Well, but many yeah. people love them. And I've seen big ones. But to, yeah, for how long will they really last? Okay. Better to get something else. Well, thank you for the research. There you are, Charlie. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> now, let's see what's on Bob's mind. He's out in Mississauga there. I Good thought morning. Ernie goes Oh, I'm, I'm very sorry. Ernie. Ernie is an ex- from Niagara Falls. Hi, Ernie. Hello there, Frank. Hey, morning. <laughs> I'm a first-time caller. Oh, excellent. My gosh. There you Welcome go, Welcome to the show. Excellent. What's your question, my friend? Well, Frank, what I wanted to know, I'd like to ask Charlie, is how I can get rid of crabgrass in my lawn. Oh, there's oh, a job for you. <laughs> okay, have you got a really big lawn with a lot of crabgrass? Well, I... Our, it's the average residential home uh, property, about 50 by 110, uh-huh. but I've got it in my backyard and my front yard. Okay. So the thing you need to know about crabgrass, if, you, if you're like me, 
I'm kind of famous for my bottle of wine and my, my <laughs> kneeling pad and my digging tools, and I hand weed my lawn. And crabgrass is actually not very hard to pull out at this time of year because it's very shallow-rooted. However, the ground is so dry right now, it'd be hard to pull any weed. So you'd need to, you know, wet the lawn, moisten the lawn, or pray for rain. You could dig the crabgrass now. If you don't dig the crabgrass, each plant can produce up to 60,000 seeds. Then winter will come. First, the seeds eject, kind of like those wisteria, you know, exploding seeds. Crabgrass does the same thing. It blows the seeds out. Winter comes, the plant dies. The seeds wait till spring. And in the spring, the nice, moist rains and the sun shines and 60,000 seeds all start to grow from one plant. Have more than one plant, you've got a lot more seeds growing. So if you can't pull your crabgrass now, then next spring, you need to purchase a product which contains corn gluten meal. And corn gluten meal can be spread on the lawn, on the entire lawn, and it, the corn gluten meal will stop those seeds from growing. So it's what we call a pre-emergent herbicide. No seeds, no crabgrass seeds will grow. However, no seeds will grow. So you'll have blank spots where the crabgrass was, and you won't be able to fill in with proper grass seed because the corn gluten meal will stop all seeds from growing. So you're going to have some areas you're going to have to just stay on top of weeding next spring until six weeks have gone by, and then you can go out there with your proper grass seed and fill in. Well, Charlie, right now... My wife and I, we have been out digging out the crabgrass in our lawn, Mm -hmm. and what I've been doing, I've been putting dirt down, and I've been planting grass seed in it. Excellent. Now, will that grass seed come up without the uh, crabgrass coming up? Well, the crabgrass hasn't seeded. This, if you're pulling the crabgrass, then you're st- the crabgrass isn't going to come back. The, it, the seeds are still attached to what you're pulling up because the seeds aren't mature yet. So it's just starting to flower now. The you're seeds. doing the right thing. Yeah, so if you can get rid of the plants and do what you're doing, that top dressing and overseeding, excellent. Just get some moisture out there, you know, a little sprinkling of the hose every single day. And, yeah, that grass will be up in the next three to four weeks or sooner. Yeah, well, I know I put seed in just about a week ago and already I can see the new grass coming up. Yeah, wow, because it's yeah. perfect. It's the perfect time. It's nice and warm and the soil is nice and warm. If you can just keep the water on. Oh, so this is a perfect time what my wife and I are doing right now. Absolutely. <laughs> you could write the book on crabgrass control, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's fine. <laughs> thanks, thanks for Ernie. your call, Ernie. I appreciate your help very, very much. Okay. You too. Have a okay, great day. Thanks a lot. All righty. Bye-bye now. And Charlie, we're going to take just a little time out here uh, just before we get to uh, Bob and Lois. Uh, Sierra Seal, we chatted about about, about half an hour ago, and I'd indicated that you've got something brand new to tell folks about well, regarding pets. Well, Sierra Seal has always recognized, the people that run Sierra Seal mm-hmm. have, uh, have always recognized that not only is Sierra Seal good for us when we have joint pain and, and just, you know, difficulty mm-hmm. moving and stiffness and soreness, but it also re- works really, really well for aging pets, cats and dogs. So if you've got a dog or cat that has trouble getting up on the stairs or climbing up onto the couch, wherever, they, you, know, you can see them. They're just, yeah. they're, they're just moving more slowly and they're looking a little achy. Sierra Sil in the pill form has been recommended for pets. What, and there's some great stuff on their website. But what they've done is come up with something called Pet Chews. So Pet 
choose are all the same Sierra Sil ingredients, that mm -hmm. magical mineral. Um, but there's also some kind of fun things in there that will help as well, like natural liver flavor, natural salmon flavor, oh and oat bran powder. I can see Dickens, he's drooling right now, yeah, my 15-year-old exactly. cat. Exactly. Dickens yeah. would probably love some of these chews. So, yeah, for more information or to buy online, remember you can buy these products in your, not your health food stores, local health food stores. And I think even Rexall Drugs might sell Sierra Silk. Oh, very good. But, um, but remember as well, you can uh, go check them out on the, on the web, sierrasil.com. Right. And it is S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, the... What am I... What am I... Well, you know, I lost it there for a minute. I, I'm the sous chef of the garden, and Charlie just had a big mouthful of water as all that happened. Just about came out my nose, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just blanked on my own my That's own cycle. great. That's great. Yeah. Your name is Franklin Proctor. Thank you. And this is The Garden Show. Thank you. And you're here to provide some comic relief. Well, uh, <laughs> unwittingly, I do sometimes. Yes, very, very <laughs> not by planning. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Bob in Mississauga, get me out of trouble here. Good morning <clears throat> and welcome. Oh, I guess I can. Uh, I'm a second-time caller. Oh, good. Uh, a second-time caller. Well, look, I'm going to give you a ring just for that. Okay. <laughs> you, you talk about the gloves. Are you with the grub? Yes. So I bought the nematoids from Sheridan. I spent a lot of money, like 45 bucks. I bought a new bottle. Mm -hmm. I measured everything out, and I hand-sprayed it all over the front and back. Mm -hmm. And then I watered them in. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the last month or so, I've been watching, I guess, the ground, the skunks and whatever else. They're having a heyday out in the backyard. Oh, dear. Oh, boy. But you actually sprayed it a whole month ago? The, the, when did you apply the nematodes? In June. Oh. Okay. Oh, not okay. the right time, no. Yeah, in, in June. Sorry? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, in June, uh, there were no grubs. They, there were very few grubs to, uh, for those nematodes to attack and kill. Because there's three different insects that... Adult form is a beetle. The baby form is a grub. They all have different life cycles, ranging from one year to three years. The best time, the best window to try and control grubs with nematodes is August, not June. So that's fine. You did it in June. You might have controlled a few, but... I would be, yeah, I was going to get right back in your car and get back to Sheridan's right now. Spend another $45. But you know what? I bought some, it wasn't, I think you're right, it might have been 40 It yeah, wasn't 40, that much. $45 to keep in the fridge. And the, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I called you a couple of weeks ago, my maid bug was, was a Japanese beetle. Yep, yep. And oh, right. Been, I've been fighting them for two months, and I moved everything away from the garden. Good. You had the traps, right? No, the traps. Yeah. Enough for them. Yeah, good. That's right. Um, okay, so... Well, just a thought. I mean, you, it doesn't have to be $45, but yes, I would do it again. I would apply the nematodes again. But you see, it's so dry right now, you'd have to water your lawn really thoroughly. Well, then, I'm not even pulling the crab grass because it's too dry. When, the, when it's yeah. wet, I'll go and hand pull the crab grass. 
That's right. You know, it's all way too dry to do any of that stuff right now. And, and I personally um, put nematodes on, you know, mixed them up about two weeks ago. But I did some very thorough watering before and after. And I only sprinkled the nematodes in the area where I very much suspected the grubs were, which is under the drip line of a tree. I fixed the slug problem. Yeah, did you? I think it was from you. Uh, it takes copper wire from the bell wire. Yeah. Works like a charm, doesn't it? Oh, and you strip it and you put little cables all the way around your garden and they don't come near it. It's pretty. There you go. I know. Well, they They're, don't because they, they, get, they get a little electrocuted when they go on to copper. <laughs> no, they don't, they don't uh, like it in the same way. They don't like that zap. It's a bit of a stump. Just wrap a copper wire around it. Yeah. That's yeah, that's right. Well, so and I'm sorry to hear about the grubs, but you know what? I Honestly... You, you could go to Natural yeah. Insect Control on the web. You can order Lawn Guardian on the web from Natural Insect Control, and I believe it will be less expensive than Sheridan's. Okay. Maybe I'll try that. You've got to make sure they're cold and the cooler, taking them home. You've got to put them in the fridge to keep them in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, they'll die. Getting, Follow those directions to the letter. Yeah. sterilized. I mean, they're so small you can't see them. I know. I know. Microscopic. It's true. Right. Um, well, thanks for calling in. This... Have a great weekend. And uh, do you want to get joke to get out of your trouble? Yeah. Okay. you got the guy who takes his mother-in-law to the Grand Canyon and whatnot and comes back with a mother-in-law. And the wife says, how come she's still mad? He said she couldn't get the last word in. It was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh lovely. <laughs> the weekend. Thank you, Bob. You too. <laughs> and thanks to all our callers today. My gosh, we're, we're almost fresh out of time. I've, I've have got a, a very uh, exciting morning planned for myself. Yes. I'm, I'm off to Union Station to pick up my eldest sister. Mm. who's coming in to visit for a couple of days. And so I'm going to take her up to Shirley's Farm. And we're going to have just a lovely weekend. Excellent. That yeah. would be very fun. And it's a lovely weekend to be out in the country. So you enjoy that. Remember, next week we have a special guest coming in from yes. Prince Edward County, Colin Campbell from Campbell's... Colin Campbell yep. from Campbell's Orchards will be here. And he'll gonna, bring apples. He's going to bring apples. Yeah, We're going to taste apples. And you are going to call with any questions to do with fruit trees, peaches, pears, cherries, apples. Colin grows them all and can give you suggestions if you're having any problems on, and want his advice. In the meantime, thank you, everybody. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Sebastian. Thanks for the song from the Smiths. And we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.